All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthume and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to season nine, episode 23 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by Betway. If you're gonna place a bet, bet on Betway. Please play responsibly. Ontario only, a must be 19 years of age or older i'm your host brock segan with me as always we got beebs bondy and dylan d Berthium. d uh we were rocking the lions gear last week did not go very well for us on thanksgiving at all and here you are rocking the packers swag today. i was gonna say was- where'd their gear go boys i, I thought we were uh, all about wearing the the nfl gear on the pod now what happened was there anything in particular that went down that, that made you guys change the wardrobe oh yeah no, I remember now. My bad. Sorry for putting a little salt in the wound there. Nope, nope. We deserved it. Um, but I had to replace my shirt with my 2022 Stanley Cup champion Avalanche shirt just to make myself feel better about myself. Because, uh, yeah, no, D, um, D deserved to just flex on us last week. But uh, but we're back. Our thanks have been given. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we're ready to, uh, to, to take on some listener questions because it's been a little bit. So, so I'm, I'm quite excited. You know, we love to, to interact with everyone out there. So thanks to everyone who sent those in. Um, yeah. Brock, have well, you recovered from that game? <laughs> no, not really. Um, but bigger things going on right now in life. So it's easy to forget about the, the lion's losses uh, at times. So yeah, normally um, I'll, I'll spend the day putting together a, 
a lengthy, you know, script for us to follow on this show uh, today. Uh, last week and in this week, I'm on I'm on baby watch right now, so not as much time on my hands. And uh, we 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 were like, you know, what? it would be a good day to reach out to the people, answer some Twitter questions, and you guys came in in numbers. So mm-hmm. we're not going to waste too much time talking about our lives. Let's focus on your lives and your fantasy hockey teams because we got tons of questions. And we'll start first with Housie93, who comes at us with obviously some of the biggest news in the NHL in the last week, and that is how does Patty Kane look in Detroit? Are the Wings making a legit run this year? Um as the resident Red Wings fan on this podcast, you know, obviously I think Patrick Kane is worth scooping, worth owning. Um, if you, uh, he's still available in your leagues. Um, I would obviously temper expectations a little bit. We got to remember, you know, that he is 35 years old. He's coming off a very uh, serious hip resurfacing surgery that has, you know, Basically, some players have not returned from it. Um, other athletes, Andy Murray, had, you know, looks great in tennis. Is it the same as hockey? No, but um, so you know, obviously, there's that lingering concern. Um, there's also you know the fact that his game has been obviously declining over the years. Um, so he's probably not going to be a point per game player when you pick him up, but he's going to be an interesting piece for the Red Wings. He's still a tremendous playmaker. He's going to help that power play immensely. Uh, he's a very cerebral player. Um, you know, at 35 with hip surgery, you know, he hasn't lost his brain, uh, hasn't lost that aspect of the game. So I still think he's going to be a, a strong contributor if he's available in your league. Still, I'd be sure to. Uh, scoop him up. He's hovering around 70% owned right now. So still available in about 30% of leagues. And I do think that he can be a big contributor. Obviously we talked about it a little bit today on Twitter. Biebs, uh looking at about sometime in like the next week to 10 days for his debut. Yep. So it's not seven to 10. Yep. And he's in Buffalo next Tuesday. So a lot of uh, obviously connection there with him being from Buffalo. So a lot of, a lot of uh, assumptions are that he will make his debut next Tuesday in Buffalo, but if not, they, they, I believe they have a Thursday game as well. Um, so he should be back. Um, unfortunately he cannot play against his old team, the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow, but that's okay. Um, but, uh, no, uh, with, with, with this guy here, they already kind of said it. They said he's going to be paired with Larkin and Debrinkat. That's a pretty nice pairing for anyone in fantasy as well as for sure getting power play time. And, uh, you know, on the daily face off podcast, we love power play time. And from a player like this, it's certainly worth at least taking a shot on, throw all the previous history of hip surgery out the door for this guy, just because, and, and it, say things don't work. He's a free agent pickup or he's, he's someone you paid low ends for. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I don't think he's obviously a point per game player anymore, but they are going to put him in a nice situation. So um, it's definitely worth at least owning at the bottom of your roster. And who knows, maybe sparks this uh, team a little bit more than they're already sparked because they're quite sparked out in Detroit right now. Yeah, this comes at the best time for them, really. They, they're playing their best hockey of the season right now. Um, so to answer the question, are they making a legitimate push? I do think that uh, this team can be a playoff team, obviously adding um, Kane helps. Um, just going back to your point, Biebs, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of Debrinkat, Larkin, and Kane. I think that we're going to see a lot of um, Debrinkat and Kane on a line and Larkin and Raymond on a line. Um, but obviously on the power play, they're going to be together. 
Um, but none of that's for sure until Kane arrives and, and starts practicing with the team fully. But I do think this is a, a team that can make the playoffs. Um, Iserman is kind of a funny GM to listen to because he's very honest when when answering questions. They ask, like, you know, does, do you think you're a playoff team? Do you think that adding Patrick Kane gives you a better chance to make the playoffs? And he's like, yeah, like, I, I, I think we can get there. But he's, like, very blunt in his assessment of, like, we still have a lot of work to do. And we're definitely not the best team in the Atlantic division. And um, but if Steve Iserman, and that's literally what he said. Iserman in his presser today was like, if we can get steady goaltending, you know, but like, obviously anybody can say that, but he's like, I don't mean to put it all in the goaltending, but that's so true. And obviously injuries are, are a huge thing as well. So um, D what do you think? Obviously Patrick Kane is a big name at 35 years old. What do you think his fantasy outlook is in Detroit? I, I agree. Yeah. I, you know, I'd be surprised if he's anywhere near uh, a point per game. I don't really don't think he's going to get the minutes that we're used to seeing out of Patrick Kane, especially coming off this surgery, maybe a few months down the line. Uh, I do think obviously that like, that's the one thing this team really lacks is depth. So the more they can add the better. Um, but yeah, I think that's the main issue, but you know, kind of preventing them from maybe getting into the playoffs this season is that depth scoring. So that could help them out. Uh, but they're still leading the league in shooting percentage at five V five, which is not, uh, a great indicator of future success. There's probably um, some regression coming there, shooting almost 12% at 5v5, especially, like I said, considering the makeup of that roster. So uh, I'm a little skeptical. I like the depth on the blue line, but up front, uh, I think the goals could dry up if uh, the likes of DeBrincat, Larkin, and Raymond, and, and now Kane go into a bit of a cold spell. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the addition of Kane does uh, for DeBrincat and if they can get two strong scoring lines going. We've seen Lucas Raymond really take his game to another level this year, which is huge. And if they can get two scoring lines, that'll be great. If Kane is kind of a shadow of his former self, then um, it might not make a huge difference. But I would definitely be picking him up as a speculative ad at the moment, just to be sure. Um, I, I know I kept him in a deep, deep dynasty league, just hoping he would land in a good spot. And, and I think that um it's probably one of the best spots that he could have landed because he is still going to get a decent amount of ice time the power play's got some some pop and obviously the familiarity with the is great let's get into a, a trade question here from stock schemes matt kachuk and kaprizov for brady kachuk and marner who wins that is a juicy juicy trade um obviously not having the categories for the league is makes it Huge. a little bit more difficult um i'll start i think i would lean matt kachuk and kaprizov uh matt kachuk's had a bit of a slow start this year bennett getting back healthy i think is going to get him going i think that line is still one of the best in hockey and they just got to get some bounces going their way uh brady kachuk things are not going great in Ottawa obviously he's still been good Marner's been been good in Toronto um but I think that there's a little bit more goal scoring and total point upside on the Matt Kachuk uh Kaprizov side of things D we'll start with you you are obviously our Leafs fan you you watch Marner day in and day out you're also somebody who I know owns Kaprizov in a league or two where would you land on this side Matt Kachuk and Kaprizov or Brady Kachuk and Marner yeah, I think you hit it on the head. It's just totally kind of format dependent. Obviously, if you're going to be including things like shots and hits, that's going to lean Brady Kachuk's way a lot more. And I think that would be enough to tilt me the other way. Uh, I do think there's a lot of positive regression coming Kaprizov's way. Uh, I think his struggles in terms of converting on his scoring chances, shooting just 8.6%, uh, career 15.4% shooter. So, I mean, realistically, should have about double the goals that he does right now. And I think it would probably be a no-brainer 
at that point, just because, you know, in most formats, you're getting two top 12 players uh, as opposed to, you know, maybe um, two kind of French top 15 guys in, in uh, Brady and, and Mitch. But again, uh, Brady can just skyrocket up the charts, depending on your format, if, if you've got hits in there. Um, and as I said, shots on goal as well. So it, it really does. Obviously, the listener knows what they're dealing with. But um, yeah, I think in general, I'd probably lean Kachuk and Kaprizov just because I think there's more positive regression coming there. Um, obviously, the coaching change. I don't think that's really going to do a whole lot for Kaprizov. Like I said, he was still creating his chances. He's still getting a ton of shots off. It's mostly just the shooting percentage. Um, and I think uh, Everson was a pretty unfortunate, just that combined with the fact that, that couldn't get a save uh, out of Gustafson or Flurry to open the season. Um, so, yeah, I think there's some positive regression coming to the wild in general. Big Matt Kachuk fan. I mean, I was calling for him to be a, um, you know, a, a borderline top five pick last year when he went off. So, um that obviously hasn't changed after the 100 point season he had a year ago so i i think that's where i would slightly lean um but again in in, in banger leagues uh, i i think uh, i would definitely go with kachuk and martyr just like to to add to that really quickly um just in case the listeners don't know um john hines replaces dean evison in minnesota as the wilds new head coach frankly um i, I know d you and i have, have never been huge john hines fans and I, I wish they would have done something different. I, I this scares me a little <laughs> like bit. Everyone for, does, yeah, yeah. Like this scares me a little bit for for Kaprizov and company. Um, but like he's such a talented player, he should still be able to get the job done. You know, we yeah. saw Roman Yossi have big seasons even with John Hines at the helm and stuff. So, um, you know, the star players can still get theirs. I, I think he is like the the most bland coach in hire possible. Um, doesn't mm-hmm. do a whole lot to move the needle for yeah. me, and he's I think never really. I think they're going to get some more saves and they're going to convert on more of their opportunities just because that was bound to happen either way. And it's, it's going to yeah. look like Hines would save the day when, when I agree with you, it's probably not the case and they probably would have been better off just uh, staying the course with Everson. But here we are. Yeah. And, and Hines has kind of historically had low scoring teams, um, which makes me a little bit nervous, but we'll see what happens. Minnesota's never really been a super high scoring, high flying team to begin with. And Kaprizov's obviously been a fantasy superstar in the past. Uh, Biebs, as an Avalanche fan, you see a ton of the Minnesota Wild. You're probably uh, one of the only people that's happy to see John Hines in Minnesota. But uh, what do you make of this trade? It's been a great year watching Minnesota go plummet down the standings and uh, watch Colorado, you know, do the exact opposite. So I'm over here just smiling. But um, I I, got to agree with you guys in all senses. Um, I'm going Matt Kachuk and Kaprizov, obviously, again, without context. One thing that um, really helps Matt Kachuk's kind of long-term play for the season is he now has two absolute studs back in his lineup that he hasn't had all year. And they both came back from shoulder surgery. That is Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad, uh, friends of the show. And uh, one of them finished fifth in the NHL in defensive scoring last year. And another one is a perennial 10 plus goal scorer, at least with a bomb from the back end. So um, I think that all these things should just help to chuck it back to what we've kind of seen the last couple of years. And obviously last year in his huge year. So I like, um, as we mentioned, the Chuck Kaprizov combo. But uh, yeah, if you have hits at all, that swings things a lot more for Brady to Chuck over there. Um, but again, you know, um, not to not to repeat everything. But yeah, if you're if you're the guy with the with the with the mat and the Kaprizov, just hang tight. But if not, swing that deal, baby. I love just a massive trade offer like that. Like, just... I, yeah. <laughs> so it's a good bunch deal. Of top, it's a great deal. Bunch of top twenty-five players just getting thrown around. All right, we got. Uh, another, we got three questions here. Uh, number one, does Philip Forsberg hit 100 points this season if he stays 
healthy. Phil Forsberg, obviously off to a great start. We talked about it a little bit um, in the preseason about the hire of Andrew Burnett. Uh, everywhere he's gone, that team just scores. In Florida, he was amazing. Um, when he was the assistant in New Jersey, they had their biggest year yet. Offense has dried up a little bit since losing him. He, he seems to be a real offensive mastermind, and it's turned things around for the National Predators this year. And Phil has been on an absolute heater to start the season. 27 points in 21 games. That puts him on pace for 105 points. Uh, the real interesting thing is that he's a career 12.9% shooter, and he's shooting just 13.8% so far this season. So, uh, you know, not really a lot of signs for regression there. Currently on pace for a ton of shots. Uh, he's got 4.1 shots per game, which would put him on pace for 270 shots over 50 games. Last year, he had 157 shots in 50 games. So 50 extra shots over that 50-game uh, sample that he played a season ago. Obviously, if he were to play 82 games, uh, he'd be well north of 325 shots. So uh, a lot to like about his goal-scoring upside. Obviously, we saw this guy score uh, 42 goals in 2022. Certainly has the capabilities. The on-ice shooting percentage at 12.6 isn't abnormally high to the point where you'd expect it to just come cratering down. Um, do I think that Forsberg finishes with 100 points? I'm going to go no, but I think it's going to be really close. Uh, as a big Philip Forsberg fan, I absolutely love this. This is the season I've been like kind of hoping for my whole life. Uh, I guess 2022 is that, but uh, this is great stuff. And I'm going to say he finishes with like 95. It's going to fall just short. Uh, D, I know you own Phil Forsberg in a league. You actually offered me a trade uh, for Philip Forsberg. Uh, so what do you think? You're, I'm obviously thinking you're hoping he gets there. Yeah, I, I mean, the underlying numbers look even better than they did a couple years ago when he put up 84 points in just 69 games. So there's a whole lot to love here in, in terms of Philip Forsberg. Uh, and yeah, I think that was about two or three weeks into the season I sent you that trade and uh, you rejected it, thankfully, because I certainly would not resend it uh, at this point in time. But yeah, there's a whole lot to love. He's playing a minute and a half, almost two full minutes more than what he did a season ago. He's leading the league in even strength goals, uh, which is fantastic because we know that power play has always sort of left a lot to be desired. Looks a bit better this season, which is encouraging. Um, but I think, you know, the bulk of his production, like most players, is going to have to come at 5v5. So to see how well that line's just been dominating um, even strength. Uh, and yeah, just the fact that uh, the shots, like 87 shots in 21 games, like you said, to your point, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, three shots a game has kind of been where he's been at the last few years. Um, and, you know, to, to see him up above uh, four, uh, I, I think it just bodes well for the rest of the season. I think you contribute a lot to that, just to the extra ice time as well. So they're really just kind of unleashing Philip Forsberg this year. Whole lot to love. So I, I'm with you. I think he finishes right around that 100 point mark if he can stay healthy. There's no reason to really expect him to cool off with how well he's playing. There's no, uh, red flags in the underlying numbers as as you touched on. So I'd be really weary of trading him at this point. I, I think I would just be kind of happy to cash in on what was definitely a, a mid-round steal. Yeah, my my base point here for if he's going to hit 100 is what more does he need? He needs 73 more in 61 more games. It's pretty much equivalent to the 84 and 69 that he put up in 2021. So he is capable of doing it. It's just we're looking at 12 years of data here where he's been under a point per game. So that's where I kind of find it hard to imagine that he could, as you mentioned, all the things are kind of going in his favor for this to finally happen. So if there's ever been a year 
this is it. But I, I don't mean to sound the same as you guys, but I'm having the same thoughts. 95, 90, you know, mid nineties points. It's just, I don't see Phil keeping this kind of hot streak that he has going and doing a 40, 40, 42, 42 season. Like he did uh, in 2021, 2022 for the rest of the way. Um, so I, I mean, at the end of the day, you're getting 95 points out of a guy that you got at the bottom of your draft, but um, unless he goes on an incredibly, incredibly hot streak, uh, maybe not incredible, but if he just, you know, keeps this going, which I don't really see happening in Nashville, um, then, you know, I, I, then he'll go over it, but yeah, nine, mid nineties points. That's a lock for me. Um, that's really only asking for about 63 more in the last 61 games. So a lot more doable. I don't think that this is like your dad's national predators. So like, this isn't the same team. Like Andrew Burnett, like I said, it's just, he's a different guy, man. This is an offensive team now. Um, and it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, maybe leading a little bit to UC Saros' struggles early in the season, uh, trying to adapt to a little bit of a different playing style, but, um, it's been really good so far. Um, okay. A couple more questions from the same person here. Uh, really quick ones. Will Sergachev take PP one reigns back from Hedman? I'm going to say no. Um, you know, that power play has been really solid this year. Top five power play in the league. Uh, Victor Hedman also been, you know, looking a lot more like himself last year, just 13 power play assists up to seven already this season. He's already matched his power play goal total from a year last, last year. Uh, one, one, <laughs> one power play goal a season ago. Nice. Obviously a lot of that is because he was on that second unit, but yeah, I, you know, I've seen Sergeyev up there a couple times for like half, half a game or whatever. Um, but yeah, this, this power play is humming right now. Hedman looks super healthy. looks super good. I'm going to go no beeps. Uh, I would go no as well. I mean, we're talking about Victor Hedman here. One off year. He was out last year. So, I mean, he's their guy and he's going to continue to be their guy. It's not like the old man has moved on yet. So to know for me, D, how do you feel about this? Uh, this little change up. I agree. It's been a real bounce back here for Hedman. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just like it was Sergachev's own success was the reason why he took the reins over Hedman last year and got the PP one for the majority of the season. Uh, Hedman was struggling last year. He seemed like he was playing through an injury and he just seems to be back to hundred percent and, you know, two years removed from having 85 points in 82 games and, and looks to be right back to that this year. So as long as he looks healthy and he, he keeps producing like he is, there's no reason to expect Sergachev uh, to move up. I think the, your only real hope is that they go to, some sort of 2D look at this point. But again, you got Nick Paul on there and Brandon Hagel on the second unit. So I would expect that Hagel is more likely to move up before anyone else at this point. And the final question here is, is Jonathan Drouin worth a stream in deep leagues? Um, No, for me, let's take a look at Jonathan Drouin's numbers here. He has exactly one game in 19 games this season of more than two shots on goal in a game. Uh, The ice time isn't really great. Like he's played... Uh, he's on the top power play unit now, which is which is good, obviously. But yeah, this is just guy isn't a goal scorer at all. Won't shoot. Even the assist totals aren't impressive. So um, the only time I'm streaming Jonathan Drouin is if the Abs are playing on a night where there's like two games and there's not a whole lot left on the wire. Then I'll take my shot on Drouin. D or Beebs, excuse me, you're our, our, our Abs guy. I, uh, no, I will say the the Avs beat reporters, um, even myself, are making kind of big deal that Drew kind of looks like he has his confidence back. But even then, a confident Drew gets one, maybe two shots a game. So like Brock said, depending how deep this league is, if it's one of those leagues where you can't even get a guy that's on a power play, then certainly the dude who's on Colorado's power play one is one to, one to go for. But Drew is not going to eat up ice time, so he's not going to just give you those other stats. He, he rarely surpasses 13 minutes a game. 
Um, so for me, it's just, again, like you said, if it's a, if it's a light night, maybe, maybe plug him in there. Um, and, but if it is a very deep league, he's definitely someone I'd rather have now than at the beginning of the year, certainly playing much better, but again, can't do much off of a uh, one shot a night. So, um, depends how deep we're talking. Yeah. Do you, do you, uh, would you, would you grab him if you're, uh, Oh, sorry. I didn't even know we needed me to address this. No, I, I agree. Unless we're talking like <laughs> 20 <laughs> leagues with like super deep rosters, I, I've got no interest in Drew. And the, uh, I mean, we've seen enough to know that, you know, even if he was to get a full run, I, this guy taps out at about, uh, you know, 15 to 20 goals and, and 50 points. So, uh, and we're, we're years removed from that. So, uh, no, no interest for me. The next question actually comes from D's brother. Um, Ooh. if you had Hyman and Kane, show. which, which would, and wanted to move on uh, one of them in a trade and keep one, which one would you trade and which one would you keep? Uh, I, I'm assuming that you guys are in a league with him and he's a- asking questions like this. So You're in a two, bud. Um, oh, I'm in that league, same league. <laughs> so oh, I didn't know he had both these <laughs> guys. Okay, so we're all in this league, so we have to make sure we are very strategic uh, with how we answer this question. For me, I think it's pretty simple. I would keep Hyman and move Kane um strictly because Hyman is has been a staple on that that top power play unit Evander Kane usually only gets a look there uh when Hyman goes down or maybe Nugent Hopkins but uh for me that that power play exposure in Edmonton is the most important piece um and also he just seems to be more of an important cog on on the McDavid line um he's had a lot more uh, success with McDavid as well so I will roll with Zach Hyman do you guys agree or disagree D uh, I agree, except in banger leagues. Like, I think it's an easy Kane in that instance. Like, <laughs> Kane's averaging four hits uh, a game right now, which is just insane. So I think it's close enough for me that in, in that kind of format, I would lean Kane. Uh, but obviously, we know in, in the Dynasty League that my brother is referring to, hits are not involved. So I, I would uh, I, I would much prefer to have Hyman to all the points that you raise. I just think uh, he's much more likely to get exposure to Edmonton's uh, either hopefully McDavid, but even dry saddle more likely than, than Kane and that top power play unit as well. So yeah, in most formats, it's going to be Hyman, but in banger leagues, I would give the edge to Kane. Yeah. I, uh, I got, got to agree again, but, uh, Evander Kane just simply enough has never had more than 57 points in a year. And we got to see Zach Hyman pop the hell off last year. So, um, just on the fact that he is able to do that, um, you know, we're in year, 15 now for Vander Kane. So uh, I do think Kane smashes that this year, to be honest. Absolutely. I mean, he should. He's on pace. It's just always health. Like the previous years, same idea should have been there. He had 39 and 43, 49 and 56. He was all last year. Just crush it. Last year, last year was a bit of a freak freak injury, right? So, um, yeah, still hasn't played more than 64 games. No, it's definitely been an issue. Um, I was really high on Kane last year and he kind of disappointed me. And, um, this is kind of more of what I expected last year. The injury obviously derailed him um, a season ago, but um, yeah, he's been really good. I've, I've got him in a few leagues and I like uh, Evander Kane a lot, but Hyman just seems to be a little bit more trustworthy. But yeah, obviously, like you said, D if you're in the same boat as, as Mark here and uh, you're in a hits league, then obviously Kane's got a little bit more uh, love there. Next question from Ben. I don't know how to pronounce it, but from Ben. Uh, love the pod. Would you guys be high on Ukapek Lukanen for the near future? Is there any chance that Levi stays in the minors for a significant time? Also, should I entertain? Okay, we'll 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 answer the first question first. Um, I do have interest in Ukapek Lukanen right now, without a doubt. Um, 
you know, obviously this guy was a pretty highly regarded prospect as well, right? Prior to the arrival of Devin Levi, this guy looked like the goaltender of the future in Buffalo. He was a second round pick in 2017. Uh, never has looked that steady, but man, he looks good right now. His last five games, he's got a 942 save percentage. He was absolutely lights out against the Rangers the other night on uh, Monday. Uh, really good his previous start against the Penguins. He hasn't allowed... Um, more than two goals in his last four outings. So he's been really, really solid. And yeah, like I think the main concern with, with not just Levi, but, but Ugepek Lukin, and if you want to throw Eric Comrie into the conversation was just the fact that they have three goalies and, you know, was one of them ever going to get enough time to really uh, be a huge fantasy asset now with Devin Levi in the AHL. Yeah. I think Lukin has a, a ton of potential moving forward, a ton of upside. And as long as he's playing well, there's no reason for them to bring Devin Levi back up. Levi is young and, you know, could use some playing time and an every night role in the AHL. And that's going to probably be the best for his development. So yeah, as long as they're getting good goaltending where they don't need Devin Levi to all of a sudden come back and save their season, then Uka Pekalukanen has a ton of fantasy upside in the near future and potentially beyond that. Uh, D, what do you think here? Uka Pekalukanen. Yeah, I, I agree. I think UPL, um, uh, with how well he's playing, like you have to, you have to recognize that there's some real fantasy value there. I think Eric Comrie is so much less of a threat to taking regular starts from him than Devin Levi would be. Uh, I do think that we'll see Levi back before too long, assuming that he does well in the AHL. Obviously, you know that's that's a big if at this point, given his struggles up in the NHL this season. Um, but yeah, I think if he finds his game, like I, I don't think they want to play um, Pekka Lukin in like or Lukanen, excuse me, um, you know, 75% of the games. And I, I don't think Eric Comrie is very good at all, to be quite honest with you. And I think we've seen enough from him to know um, that he's nothing more than just the odd backup. So I think if it ideally, you know, when you have a young goaltender, it's it's not going to be uh, a heavy workload. It's going to be more of a split. So I do think there's a good chance that Levi works his way back into this picture. Uh, but as long as uh, Lukanen's playing well, uh, he'll certainly get the lion's share of the starts. This is, you know, not a terrible team by any means. They should be getting Tage Thompson back yeah, at some point. That's obviously going to help the goal support there as well. Um, so yeah, I, I like UPL, but I, I also think that uh, we'll see Levi back before too long, assuming uh, he doesn't just completely lose his game in the HL. Yeah. You really got to hope that he doesn't because this is a guy who had a nine fifty two and 32 games in 2021 in the NCAA, which is just insane. And then a nine thirty three the next year, um, also just insane and, and almost 20 points less in the same percentage department. Um, they do not, they, I mean, they, they probably have to be a little worried here because at this point, uh, an 876 is that's God awful, um, from Levi and maybe they felt like they rushed him a bit, but yeah, I think we're going to see, they're going to give him time. They're going to have, they want him back to this, what he's been his whole life, which is a nine to 30 goaltender. Um, and uh, the AHL's a, an adjustment um, and he never played there last year. So this is his first time actually reporting to the AHL, which is kind of insane um, that he went directly to the NHL from NCAA. So I think now, you know, um, UPL certainly giving them kind of just some relief and allowing the owners just to be like, Oh, okay. Now we can kind of take things at the pace that it should be going. Don't have to rush the 21 year old goalie. Um, and all I got to say, boys, is I'm feeling really good because I actually had him as our bust in our goalie episode. So um, no, you, did. You, you, you hate to see a kid like this go down and when he's clearly struggling. But as someone who puts on a fantasy podcast, 
I celebrated bad. a tiny yeah. bit. So, um, and these were all the reasons exactly why I just didn't see him getting the starts. You know, he could, if things went bad, he could get sent down. And here we are. Um, so, yeah, no, I, and for all those reasons, I like UPL on the other side a lot. Yeah, I think the one thing you got to remember is that Levi is still just 21, right? 21, lots of yeah. uh, lots of room to grow, lots of potential still, and taking it this way is probably a smart decision for the Sabres. Uh, before we move on, I, I think it's good to maybe give some kudos to that Buffalo Sabres front office. It's you know not always easy to juggle the three goaltenders. Um, they could have easily just said, you know what, let's move on from Uka Pekalukanen and put him on waivers or whatever and, and ride with Levi, but they, they kind of stuck it out to three goalies and oh, Lucan and his flourish. And, and man, it's, 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 you know, it's pretty good juggling act by that, that Sabres front office. Uh, same, same uh, person. Ben's got another question here. Also, should I entertain selling Kirill the thrill at let's say 80% on the dollar people buying low now or hold strong? I think we kind of already answered this question. Uh, we, we expect positive regression for Kirill the Thrill, and, and I will never recommend uh, selling low on an asset that you invested heavily on, you know, a first-round pick, second-round pick. Um, selling them at 80 cents of the dollar doesn't make a lot of sense, and there's obviously, um, you know, we, we believe there's still a lot of potential for Kirill the Thrill to have a big season. Um, in fact, I would be certainly looking to do the opposite and buying low on him at the moment if you're, you know, obviously Ben can't do that because he already owns him, but if you're in other leagues where uh, Kirill... Um, is you know rostered on another team i'd be trying to to make moves for him because obviously you know ben is is, is evidence that krill the thrill owners are maybe looking to move on a little bit yeah i mean he's on pace for 287 shots which is just two less than what he finished at a couple of years ago when he scored 47 goals and he shot 16 percent. so again 15.4 career shooter uh shooting just 8.6 percent this year so expect that to bounce back in his favor before too long uh, and yeah, I, I would honestly expect his, uh, you know, his goal scoring record and, uh, the rate to just kind of, uh, normalizing and get back to what we saw out of him the last couple of seasons. So not someone I'm looking to move on from by any means, as you pointed out, Brock, I do have him in a couple of leagues. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, it sucks when a guy gets off to the slow of a start, but you just got to sit tight. Yeah, that's, um, that the next guy on the list here, our next question is actually one of Kirill the Thrill's teammates. Um, and that's Matt Boldy. Can you break down Matt Boldy and or Andre Svechnikov? Both are killing me with the lack of goal production. Now, this one <laughs> hits close to home for years, truly, because I uh, had two of these, both of these guys as breakout picks this season. And uh, I, we talked about them both getting off to injured starts to the season, which was unfortunate, um, and both kind of been a little bit sluggish so far. Only two goals through 13 games for Matt Boldy. But again, uh, like his teammate, Kirill the Thrill, He's shooting just 5.1%, which is not what you're typically going to see uh, from Matt Boldy. On you know the shooting, the shot volume has been nearly identical from what we saw a season ago. Uh, so yeah, I still think this guy could be a 30 goal scorer this season. The uh, playing time is a bit of a concern, down a minute from from a season ago. But I uh, do still think that you know I'm not that concerned about Boldy. The goal scoring certainly should be around a 30 goal scorer. Uh, still with the shot volume and then the shooting percentage or on a shooting percentage at 9.4% is much lower than it was a season ago as well. So the assist should bounce back and they've already been uh, pretty strong seven through 13 games. As for Svechnikov, I think a lot of what Svechnikov has been going through is just injury related. Uh, they talk about it on the broadcast a lot. Like, is he fully healthy? Like kind of not, I think he's fully healthy, but maybe just not comfortable yet. Not trusting that 
Um, you know, he's playing on, on, on a surgically repaired knee. So um, he looks better, day, you know, game in, game out. He looks better. He's finally scored his first of the season. He's shooting just 3.6%. I'm not concerned about Seshnikov. I'm not concerned about Boldy. If owners are, these are two guys that I'm absolutely looking to buy low on, uh, specifically Svechnikov. Svechnikov, I, I, I want to try to acquire him in every league possible right now. I like Boldy yeah. just a, a little bit more. Um, just the ice time down for Svech. And as you mentioned, the injury, it's a lot more serious than, you know, the little knock that Boldy picked up at the yeah. start of the year. Um, so yeah, I, I would lean Boldy, but I agree. They're, they're in the same boat for me. I just, I think it's a lot harder for Svechnikov to get back to the usage he had the last couple of years than, than Boldy, given the rosters they're on. Do you think yeah. though that, I think Svechnikov's um, price would probably be considerably lower than Boldy's in a Big trade time. at the moment. Yeah, you, I think it'd similar. probably be about the same. Yeah, I, I think it would be about the same, to be honest. I think Svechnikov's name to, I, I think, the more generic fantasy player um, carries a little bit more value than Matt Boldy, who's still kind of uh, on his way to, to breaking out. But sorry, peeps. Oh, no, I was just going to say, if Boldy you know, converts at a little bit of a higher rate, if he has two more goals here off these 39 shots and he's shooting at an 8% clip, we're still talking about him shooting under, but he's now at four goals and 11 points in 13 games and on pace for career high numbers. So um, I think with both guys, like I, I love the idea of buying low on them both. Cause we're watching, you, you kind of have to like step back and think of the human element a bit for people and why things are happening. And you guys mentioned it. We're coming, we're watching two guys come off injuries, Boldy's upper body. And then uh, which could highly be affecting that shot. But as he comes back and as he's kind of looked in the last couple of games, he has four straight or three straight four shot games. So clearly he's feeling much more like himself. Those are the things we love to see. Um, and then obviously you mentioned with Svechnikov, he's coming off a pretty crazy, uh, crazy off season. I'll say it. And, uh, and it's not, it's definitely in his head that, that, you know, he's on a surgically repaired body item at, at any point. So, um, so both these guys, I think uh, it's, it's going to come out in the wash, but uh, we've seen it happen before with big injuries. It just takes a bit. We saw Tyler Sagan basically, have a, what a year and a half off just after an injury these last two years and then finally start pulling it back this year so um not a great example because i think these both guys have a way higher upside and are in better positions um but just something that can happen where usually usually the stars kind of figure it out and uh and and personally i would go boldy um over Sveshnikov, but i would love to to take a stab at both and try to get both if i could the next question is about the workhorse from Whitehorse himself, Dylan Cousins. What to do? I know you said hold, but man, it's hard. LOL. Also, which two players is a better hold of these three in a banger league with shots on goal? Tom Wilson, Sam Bennett, Owen Tippett. Um, I will answer that one first. I absolutely love Sam Bennett. I think Sam Bennett is one of the best waiver wire pickups in the league right now. I think he's only like 20% owned. Be sure you're picking up Sam Bennett. I, I absolutely love keeping him. Um, Tom Wilson's fine. Obviously he hits a lot and you're going to get a little bit more value from him in leagues like that. But I, I, I just don't think he offers you a whole lot more. That's not a team that's scoring very much. Uh, even when he's on the line with Ovechkin and Kuznetsov, like the, they're just not the same players they once were. So Wilson doesn't carry a whole lot of weight for me. Uh, so I'll lean Bennett and tip it. I'll come back to you guys in a second. Uh, we'll answer both these questions at the same time. I it's still like, I'm not, I'm a little bit concerned about cousins, but at the same time, like there's not much you can do. Like I'm not selling low on him. I'm not looking to move him because you're not really going to get anywhere close to the value that you should. He has one goal, one assist in his last 12 games. It's been ugly without a doubt. He's shooting just 3.7% over that stretch. Still 27 shots on goal. Um, you know, obviously the start to the season that he got off to was really impressive. 
Uh, I would still like to see Cousins shoot a little bit more. I think we all thought that maybe he would uh, be a little bit better than he has been, you know, in the most recent games without Tage Thompson, especially because the ice time uh, has been there. Like he's played 18, 21, 18, 14, 20 minutes in those games. You'd expect him to have some bigger performances, but I, I just don't know what else to do. Like I'm not dropping him yet. I'm You just can't. And I'm not looking to sell low on him. D I know Cousins is a guy you talk about a lot. Um, Owen Tippett for that matter as well. So where do you stand on both of these uh, questions? Yeah, I like uh, I like Tippett the most out of those three. Um, I just think it, for reasons that I've, I've gotten into a, a lot in the past, his shot volume is off the charts. I still think there's more room for him to get more minutes in that lineup. I don't think you could say the same for Sam Bennett. Obviously, a stronger you know supporting cast for Sam Bennett, and then Wilson's just more of a specialist. Obviously, he's not going to offer anywhere near as much offensive upside as the other two. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just depends what how much value you're getting out of those hits. How small of uh, you know how many how few or how many categories there are. Obviously, the fewer the better uh, for Tom Wilson if it's a, if it is a banger league or if it's a points league. You know how heavily they're weighted because he is seriously going to rack those up. But the other two, uh, I think, are just a little bit more well rounded. I would lean Tippett there, and yeah, I think you have to hold Cousins. I think it's kind of been twofold. He's been a victim of uh, the Thompson injury and that lineup just getting. Uh, a lot thinner in the process. And then Casey Middlestad's emergence, right? Like we all would have expected Cousins to be the first line center in Thompson's absence, but Middlestad's been playing so well, that line's been cooking uh, and clicking. Um, So uh, I I think that's kind of where he's at. It might not get too much better uh, until Thompson returns. So that's, I think that's what you need to weigh Uh, in standard 12 team leagues. I'm definitely holding on to him and anything smaller than that. uh, I think you got a, a real decision on your hands for sure. Season nine, episode 24, cooking and clicking. Beebs, what do you think here? I was actually the one who answered um, him about three or four days ago. So I'm feeling kind of bad here because I said hold strong um, and I, I got to stick to my guns. The reasons that I kind of presented on Twitter was just the ice time. You guys said it, the, sh- the shots. Um, anyone who's getting 20 plus minutes as a forward and has this potential, um, the upside, it's, you know, you cannot let Dylan Cousins go right now because I think we're going to be looking at a 30-30 guy at the end of the year. And you kind of want that on your roster, um, regardless of the size of it. So, yeah, I, like you guys said, you know. Um, but, yeah, I also going to go tip it because last week I popped off about O-Dog. So, if I'm not still popping about O-Dog, then what am I even popping for popping's sake, boys? So, um, yeah, no, he, he, he's my he's my one. Um, and then, like you guys, I got Tom Wilson at the bottom. But, uh, you know, good for Tom getting those first line minutes. Yeah, it's about all he's getting. Uh, next question is... From our guy Beerbot, what year is Scott Perunovich going to be fantasy relevant? I've been sitting on this guy for years in my dynasty league. Cheers. Um, what year? I, I think if the question starts with what year is he going to be good, it's probably time to drop him. Um, it depends, obviously, like if this is the deepest format of all time and you have there's just you know not much yeah. else in the waiver wire for you to pick up, then sure, you can hold on to a guy who had 40 points and 34 college games and 20 points and 22 AHL games a season ago. He obviously has offensive pedigree, but I think he lacks the defensive discipline that the blues are looking for on a regular basis. And that's why he's in and out of the lineup. Um, even when he's been in the lineup and he has seen some time on the top power play unit this season, there's not a lot of talent there by and large. They're, they're not going to be a high scoring team. And he's only got two assists in 11 games and he's been given some decent opportunities when he's been in the lineup, but even still, He's only playing around 14 minutes a night. There's really no reason um, for him to get as much airtime as he is at the moment and um, for you to be holding on to him unless it's like a 65-man roster. 
Yeah, I mean, last year's world championship, I see where this guy's coming from. Last year's world championship, he had a goal, seven assists in 10 games. That's against NHL talent. Um, so you would expect that to translate, but you can cover up that, like you said, those defensive flaws a lot easier when you have about four or five NHL defensemen who are at the top of their game and can kind of take care of that. But unfortunately in St. Louis, they really don't have that. So um, therefore, as mentioned, Prunovic has been getting exposed. 25 years old, we're getting to that point where it's like, next year he's considered almost a veteran at 26 so it gets a little worrisome um brock i do play in one of those leagues like you said that it's so big that i have guys like tyler angle who's out in columbus is like third farm system so um so if that's the case you know just hang drop or hang tight with him maybe he might get a uh, callan addison type deal where he gets moved to another team where they can try to use him um but as for now like you said it, it's more wait and see if he starts playing more but it's, it's i mean yeah, Prunovich getting way too much airtime. Nothing to add, D? Absolutely <laughs> not. No, we've talked about him enough. Um, Sorry, beer. It, it's it's so funny though. I actually just looked it up. He has the best uh, expected goals against relative to the to the other Blues uh, teammates of the not entire hard. Blues defensive core, which is hilarious. So um, <laughs> maybe he he isn't the greatest defensive defenseman, but. Uh, the numbers are there. Obviously he's playing a lot more sheltered minutes, but it's just interesting. Um, go the golden muzzy uh, writer at dailyfaceoff.com. Nick Alberga says thoughts on Kuzmenko rest of season. I mean, I think from, it was one of the most obvious regression candidates in, in the world uh, coming into the season. This man shot 27.3% a season ago. Uh, so yeah, seeing him shoot 10.3% this year is obviously discouraging if you bought into it. Um, you know, obviously this is a guy that is seeing regular playing time with Elias Pedersen. Uh, the shot volume is the main concern here though. 29 shots in 20 games, even if he's on that top power play unit, like that unit has been absolutely sizzling for the entire season. He has four power play system, one power play goal to show for it. He's just not the focal point of that unit. Um, and until he starts shooting more, there's really not a whole lot you can expect from him. So um, yeah, he's obviously been healthy scratched already. And until the shot volume returns anywhere close to what it was a season ago, like I don't really have any interest in, in Kuzmenko at all. Beebs, what do you think? Yeah, this is a guy who last year to get to 39 goals, he had to put up a historic shooting percentage. Um, one of one of the only players to even get close to shooting 30% on a year. He shot 27.3 last year. That's absolutely bonkers. The ice time isn't there. The shots aren't there. Um, there's no reason for us to, 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 other than obviously last year's craziness, but I just don't think that he can return to what he did last year unless he starts seeing those things going in a more positive direction. Realistically, to kind of match last year, he needed two or three more minutes of ice time. He needed... 60 to 70 more shots because these things all come out in the wash and unfortunately they are now plus you kind of got to worry about the, the the healthy scratch he's in the doghouse at the moment which is crazy he was healthy scratch for two games last week um but also i think if you could trade like a bottom of your roster guy maybe a 10 or 12 team league it might be worth kind of taking a stab right now while he's in that doghouse but um no i'm not expecting another 40 40 or 40 35 season from him um especially with three goals out of the gate we're going to need a lot more. We're going to need basically every shot going in for the rest of the season for him to, to match last year. Yeah, the talent is obviously there, right? But mm -hmm. it, it, you hit it on the head, Beats. You were hoping for more shots and, and more minutes to offset that obvious regression that was coming with the shooting percentage and he's shooting less and, he, you know, 
having trouble even staying in the lineup at this point. So uh, I'm not dropping him because, like we said, the talent's there. Um, I'm probably trying to shop him to a Canucks fan if possible uh, in, in your leagues. That's probably your best bet to get any source of value for him. Uh, but I'm not at the point where I'm dropping him yet just because I, I do think there's too much talent here. Um, like, you know, no one shoots 27% over 81 games on accident. Like, he has a good shot. Like, that. that's true. But uh, And you would think if, you know, if I was looking at Kuzmenko, I'd be, uh, and I was his coach, I'd be trying to find uh, ways to get him more shooting opportunities. So he's got to earn that, though. Of course, he's got to be playing a, a better two-way game than he is. Uh, we know that, you know, a coach isn't going to just hand minutes to a guy that they consider to be a uh, defensive liability and, and maybe whose worth at work ethic, excuse me, is an issue at times. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at with Kuzmenko. I, I'm not quite dropping him yet, but it's obviously pretty discouraging where we're at at this point. All the trends that you were hoping to see improve have gone the complete opposite direction. But the talent is there, and obviously the surrounding cast is is phenomenal. So um, it's worth either trying to see what you can get at this point Maybe wait till he has a, a random two goal game over the next couple of weeks or a random hot stretch and, and try to cash in then. But otherwise, like I said, you're just you're just hoping for those trends to to reverse and, and hoping for the talent to shine through. Yeah, it's just the shot volume is insane. Um, it's just 29 shots in 20 games is is despicably bad at the moment. Uh, why does Sorokin suck so bad this year? Definitely not worthy of the top 15 pick that I used on him. You well, want to say the name here? I did not. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Kongaloosh. Um, <laughs> there you I wasn't go. sure if it was offensive, to be honest, but yeah, yeah I have no idea what it means. Something to yell. Can't be too uh, safe. Yeah, Sor- Sorokin <laughs> has not been great. Uh, 310 goals against average, 913 save percentage in 14 games. Um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, he hasn't been good. Why does he suck? I couldn't tell you. I think the only answer we can give you um, is that goalies are voodoo. Is that really the only thing you can say at this point? Uh, I mean, yeah, if you take a look at the goal saved above expected, he's 21st in the NHL at the moment, uh, sandwiched between Jake Ottinger and Jacob Markstrom. So he hasn't you know, necessarily been too horrendous. Um, I think that the Islanders in front of him have That's not been very good. Um, you know, obviously they were always known as like this amazing defensive team for some reason. Um, which is just not true. They are bottom 10 and 5v5 defense this year. They're one of the worst penalty kills, second worst penalty kill in the league this year. So they're that's the, the second most shots on goal a game. The yeah, they're, they're four more shots than what they were giving up last year. They're, and they're scoring shots a game, so. the third least amount of goals. So I don't, I don't know. Just yeah. So I would just say that it's probably less to do with Sorokin. I mean, he's still goal save above expected. Is still somewhat half, you know, decent. Obviously, he's not quite as good as he used to be, uh, or or was in recent years. Not. I think he's still very good. But yeah, like I just said, like bottom ten defensive five v five, bottom two penalty kill. It's not much you can do. You can't just cover up all their deficiencies at all times. So uh, yeah, I, I I do think he's been better of late too, right? Like he's got a nine nineteen yeah. over his last six. Like the talent is still there. I think talent wise, he's still one of the best goalies in the league. The issue is if he struggles at all, like he has this season, it's going to be ugly. Because I, I agree, I think the team and the structure in front of him just isn't as solid as it has been in recent years. I think it kind of like goes well with what what we preach a lot in the goalie episode too, which it's it's not so much about the talent there. It's it's the talent in front of the goalie, and we're seeing that Sorokin is a key one. You see Saros right now, same thing. The talent's just not there. The goaltender's yeah. clearly talented. For the um, most so part, I think you could just make some safer picks around uh, yeah. other players as far as the top fifteen pick goes. There, yeah. For their most part, their team stats, right? That the goalies yeah. get attributed to in fantasy. So, 
last year he had 14 games in which he allowed four or more goals on the season. Mm. This year he's already up to eight. Not good. Uh, we're only a quarter way through the season. He is on pace for many more goals of that nature uh, this season. All right, our and last qu- real quick, Sorry, like Barlamov's playing outstanding too. So like he's losing more starts than we would have expected because Barlamov's been so good. But sorry, continue. Yeah, which is interesting, right? Because like you, we just said that it's basically a team stat, and they haven't been very good defensively. And Varlamov has been uh, good. Varlamov obviously got off to that amazing start. He has been a little bit sluggish lately, so he, you know. Sorokin could start to earn uh, some favor back. Obviously, back-to-back shutouts early in the season for Varlamov was great, but he's down to an 893 save percentage in his last four. So hopefully good news for Sorokin, but it also kind of just points to the fact that the Islanders aren't the best defensive team in the league. Uh, okay, which team has the best, best schedule coming up in the month of December? Which players are typically late bloomers to produce later in the season that we should watch out for? I'm going to handle the first part of the question because I did all this work while we were you guys were talking. I was, I was grinding over the schedule. I'll let That's you guys guy. handle the second half of the question. So best schedules for the rest uh, or for the month of December. So there's a couple ways of looking at this, who plays the most, who, who you know, who has the easiest uh, opponents. So what I did is the same thing I do for my week to week strength of schedule. I took the defensive uh, rating for each team, basically um, for today, like whatever the metric was today, obviously it's going to change throughout the month of December, but as of today, the best schedule overall if you add up all of the defensive team ratings that they're going to face is the Colorado avalanche. They have 13 games in the month of December. Uh, the most games in the month of December is the Detroit Red Wings and the Carolina hurricanes at 14. Uh, but the Cal- the Colorado avalanche with 13 games have the best schedule in the month of December. And then in terms of uh, average opponents, they have the best average opponent rating as well. So definitely the Colorado avalanche. We want to take a look at a couple other teams, the Detroit Red Wings, uh, 14 games, one of the only teams with 14 games, second easiest schedule overall or second best schedule overall. The New York Islanders, Dallas Stars, LA Kings, Carolina Hurricanes uh, would be the top six. In terms of average defense, um, defensive rating that they're going to face, slightly less games, the LA Kings at 12, but they have the second easiest schedule in terms of average uh, opponent the arizona coyotes come in third also with just 12 games so uh yeah colorado la arizona all look pretty good and then again you can add in the red wings the islanders the stars and the hurricanes as well so if you're looking to make some moves to try to make the month of december a little bit easier on you those are the teams to target but uh boys which players are typically late bloomers to produce later in the season it's kind of a difficult question there's no real answer to like this player is only good after january uh although nico he has had like two outstanding second half finishes tim stutzel tim stutzel yeah yeah stutzel has been a phenomenal second half of the season um but i mean if you guys could answer this question what type of player fits this profile Certainly younger guys that you expect to see more opportunity as the season plays out. I think Leo Carlson's an obvious one. You know, they've talked about managing his workload and that's obviously happened early in the season. So hopefully uh, we stop seeing him getting, you know, scratched or rested for a game or two at a time. Um, His underlying numbers, considering his age, look really, really great. Uh, He's playing a lot when he is in the lineup. So um, I, I think Leo Carlson's one to keep an eye out for. Uh, Adam Fantilli certainly fits that regard as well. He's not getting sad or anything, but he's playing less than 60 minutes a night and still has almost three shots a game, which is super impressive for a 19 year old. So I think Fantilli um, is another one that's, that's certainly worth keeping an eye on because it's easy uh, to imagine him taking more minutes from Boone Jenner and and playing on that top power play unit as the season goes along. Um, And then I think the other type that you can really look for uh, are just trade targets, right? Guys that are going to move from kind of 
uh, a shitty situation to, to somewhere that's going to be a little bit more fantasy friendly, maybe somewhere they can get more minutes. That's kind of tough to say right now. I mean, you look at the bottom feeders, the Sharks don't really offer us anyone. Hurdle would be the most obvious one, but he's on a seven-year deal with a no-movement clause. Uh, really no veteran players on the Hawks that I'd be excited about picking up if they were to move somewhere else. Um, uh, same with the wild. Like I, 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 it's hard to imagine any of those guys kind of, um, that would get a jump in minutes. The one that really jumps out to me, uh, right now, if the senators continue struggling, I think Tarasenko on a one-year deal, he does have a no trade clause, but I think he would be enticed to move it, um, or to waive it, excuse me, if he was to move to a contender. Uh, but yeah, Tarasenko's playing less than 60 minutes a night, uh, from an underlying and a production standpoint, he still looks relatively strong. So Tarasenko could maybe one that you look to kind of just, you know, you could probably get for next to nothing, maybe even off the waiver wire in some leagues. Um, and if he were to move, it's easy to imagine him moving into a better spot, getting more minutes and, and you know, um, and, and, you know, some better production following it. So those are kind of the, the profiles you're looking for. Young guys who look good in limited minutes and the underlying numbers look strong and they look like they could really take off if they get more minutes or trade targets who, who could end up in a more uh, favorable situation, similar to, I guess, Tarasenko last year or Claude Giroux a couple of years ago when he moved uh, to Florida. Yeah, I think Mason McTavish is probably the greatest example we saw last year. We kind of called it on the show. Um, teams that have really nothing to play for, but they have a lot of guys who have a lot to play for. And uh, you did kind of mention San Jose there. If you're in a very, very deep league, even like a William Eklund is someone you can keep an eye out for a first round pick, um, a guy who's starting to play power play one, um, all, all things we we love to see. Um, there, there's a couple of young guys, but you absolutely nailed it with the ones you dropped there. Uh, some other really deep ones from a couple episodes ago, Connor Zari or Zari, whatever out in Calgary, um, the rookie, they're all guys on, on kind of weaker teams where it's like, what do they have to lose if we hit game 40 and these teams have absolute zero chance to make the playoffs. So we, we could see a lot of, um, encouraging signs come from that and a lot more ice time, uh, like exactly like we saw with Mason Tavis last year. Uh, another hilarious name of hot second half players is always Nick Schmaltz, friend of the show. Uh, the last two years, he's been over a point per game in the final 41. So you love yeah. to see it, Nick Schmaltz. So, so thanks for being a banger when, 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 when we need you. Yeah. And one more name that I'd, I'd like to just kind of throw it in, in deep, deep leagues. You mentioned the Sharks piece. Uh, Fabian Zetterlin's uh, shot volume mm-hmm. has just been off the charts lately. I got to talk about him a little bit in the streamer segment of the show. I think he, is worth a punt in those deeper leagues this weekend, but someone to just keep an eye on because he's playing over 20 minutes a game lately and the, the shot volume. Uh, I mean, even just the last five games, two shots, three shots, seven shots, two shots, six shots. Uh, so he's getting a lot of run and, and certainly has a little bit of upside there. The problem, of course, is just the not really any surrounding talent to play with, especially while Hurdle's sidelined. He, he's always been a guy with pretty impressive shot volume. I used to play him as a punt option in DFS when he was with the Devils. He'd only play like 12 minutes a night, but he'd finish the game with four shots. Always been a good shot volume player. Has a really good shot as well. So, um, all right, let's take a quick break. And when we return, we are going to get to the Betway bets of the day. Talk about uh, some of the best bets on tomorrow's 14-game slate. And then, of course, we are going to wrap up the show with these weekend streamers. So enjoy the break. We'll see you guys back here shortly. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to the DFO Fantasy Podcast. We are going to steer away from fantasy hockey for a moment and focus on betting with the Betway Bets of the day. My first bet of the day tomorrow is going to be the San Jose Sharks, which might surprise some. But they've been playing some of their best hockey of the season, and the team they're playing has been playing some of their worst hockey. Shocking that 935 save percentage can't last forever. Uh, The Boston Bruins are minus 599 favorites against the San Jose Sharks yesterday, or tomorrow, excuse me. The Sharks are plus 425. At that point, you might as well throw some money down. I, I've been kind of saying it since the start of the season. I wasn't a huge believer in the Boston Bruins, and they just kept kept winning because they – well, first of all, their schedule to start the season was absolute trash, and their goaltending was insane. So, um, yeah, hopefully Tomas Hurdle returns to the lineup tomorrow, plus 425 San Jose. I would throw you know maybe a half a unit on that for funsies because that line is absolutely um, ridiculous. I also don't mind the Pittsburgh Penguins in Tampa Bay, plus 125. The Lightning will be playing their third game in four nights. Uh, and the Penguins have just underachieved this year. One of the best teams in the NHL at 5v5, and then their power just inexplicably struggling despite in, in, a wealth of talent back there. So I don't mind the Penguins, plus 20, 125 on the road against a Lightning team that's played a ton of hockey in the last couple of days. And I think... That is probably it. I, I think I'll actually go with the Dallas Stars as well. The Stars were, are kind of uh, on the fringe. I would like to get slightly better number. They're minus 135 against the Calgary Flames. I just don't think the Flames have uh, a lot of juice in that team. And, and then the, the Dallas Stars, obviously one of the better teams in the league. So uh, pretty thin odds there. I'd like it closer to minus 130, 125. Uh, if possible, minus 135 isn't terrible. Um, until the board moves a little bit in the morning, that is going to close up this segment of the Betway Bets of the Day, unless you want one more bonus bet, boys. New Jersey Devils minus 160 in Philadelphia isn't the worst either. I do Ooh. think that the New Jersey Devils may be turning a corner. Um, bit of a sluggish start. Obviously, getting Hughes back, getting Heischer back is huge. But like that, three goals in the third period come from behind win against the Islanders the Just other night. That. It, it is, is literally like one of those wins that can kind of like rejuvenate a team and turn the season around. So, um, I'm hoping that they can ride that wave. Philadelphia seems to be a team headed in the opposite direction after a pretty nice start. You're on mute. Oh, hmm. did you guys see Schmid has a career 950 save percentage in relief? Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's crazy. I just wanted to mention if, that. I thought that was a cool stat. They should just start Vanacek for the first five minutes and then get Schmid <laughs> in there. He's the greatest goalie of all time. Yeah. 
imagine like the people that would reach out to daily I'm like, what the- you had Vanichek confirm, bro. Vanichek like, can still not- give up two goals. So yeah, do you not know <laughs> this? Do you not know that Schmidt is the greatest <laughs> the greatest goalie ever? Yeah, just use Vanichek as an opener, like in baseball, yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So um yeah, that's gonna do it for the Betway bets of the day. If you're going to place a bet, bet on Betway. Please play responsibly. Ontario only must be 19 years of age or older. All right. Now it is time to get to the weekend streamers where Dylan D. Berthing will go through all of the best streaming pickups for this weekend. So take it away, D. All right. The NHL schedule has returned to normal this week. So we got two games on Friday, 13 on Saturday, and five on Sunday. So, of course, as per usual, uh, we're going to be targeting those skaters that are going to be playing on Friday and Sunday. Get you two games for the price of one acquisition. Just two teams playing Friday, Sunday this week, starting off with the Columbus Blue Jackets. They're at home to the Senators on Friday before traveling to Boston on Sunday. First name we got to talk about is Patrick Line, triple position eligibility, 51% owned. You know, his struggles this season, they've been well documented and his ownership has dipped as a result. Like I said, down to 51%, but he is available in your league. There is no better time to give him an audition than this weekend when the Blue Jackets are one of only two teams playing on Friday and Sunday. He's got two points in four games since being infamously scratched on November 19th at Philadelphia and actually has another goal tonight against the Habs. So you can call that three points in five games and counting. Uh, And coming off one of of his most promising games of the season in Monday's 5-2 victory over the Bruins, Line played just under 17 minutes in that contest, registered an assist and five shots on goal. I should not need to sell anyone on the talent or the upside here. That's all about the usage and getting that confidence back to where we're used to seeing it. Don't forget, this is a guy who had 52 points in 55 games just a season ago. It's not like we're years removed from seeing a prime Patrick Line. Currently skating alongside Adam Fantilli and Alexander Texier on the Jackets' second line. He's resumed his role atop the Blue Jackets' power play unit. And Ottawa, in particular, offers Line a great chance to regain his form on Friday uh, and keep this mini-hot streak rolling. So, uh, Senators as well, currently boasting the league's seventh-worst penalty kill. So, Blue Blue Jackets, you know, been struggling a little bit with the main advantage this season, but should get some reprieve uh, there against the Senators on Friday. And then moving on, we got Kirill Marchenko, 26% owned. Marchenko's stock and ownership continues to rise, but he's still available in just under three-quarters of Yahoo League's. He's in a great spot right now alongside Boone Jenner and Johnny Gaudreau on the Jackets' first line, as well as their top power play unit. We talked about how that matchup uh, looking pretty enticing on Friday against the Senators. And he showed us last year how good of a goal scorer he can be, finally getting the minutes he's deserving of. He's average time on ice of 18 minutes and 16 seconds in his last seven games. He's got three goals in that span. Shot volume has been as good as expected. He's got 59 shots on goal in 21 games on the season, and that should only continue to rise as he solidifies his role in Columbus's top six. He's worthy of a long-term addition right now in my mind, uh, and given the usage would actually be my top preference above line A in terms of streaming targets this weekend. And then rounding out the Blue Jackets, we got Adam Fantilli, center position eligible, 25% owned, uh, who, as I just mentioned above, is playing with Line A and Texier on that second line. Currently relegated to the second power play unit, but the shot volume has been super impressive considering the limited role. He's got 61 shots across 23 games on the season. And really, he's been unfortunate, scored just four times on the year. Positive regression should be coming his way sooner than later. I think the Blue Jackets really do have a long-term stud in the 19-year-old Fantilli. Probably only worthy of a long-term roster spot and keeper in dynasty formats right now, given the usage, but still a more than viable streaming option this weekend, given the size of the slates. And then the only other team playing Friday and Sunday this weekend, unfortunately, 
is the San Jose Sharks. The matchups are brutal, and of course, so are the Sharks. But given the lack of options, I do still need to give a quick mention to a couple of names here. They're in New Jersey on Friday and then traveling to New York on Sunday to play the Rangers. So the first name I want to mention, of course, is Thomas Hurdle, center eligible, 39% owned. He missed Monday's game with a mid-body injury. Apparently, that's a thing now. So we'll have to see if he's available to play this weekend. But he remains one of the very few San Jose Sharks that are worth squeezing into your lineup when their schedule lines up as it does this weekend. He's got four goals, 12 assists, and 20 games on the season, despite a serious lack of offensive talent around him. The other player that I think is worthy of a punt in deeper leagues this weekend is Fabian Zetterlin, left wing, 1% owned. He's pretty much out there if you if you want to take the roll of the dice on him. Uh, he's seen his usage and shot volume skyrocket over the last week or so. He's playing 19 minutes and 54 seconds in his last five games while firing 20 shots on goal. He has just two goals in that span, but the shot volume is worth uh, taking a chance on in deeper leagues where the names I already mentioned uh, are, are rostered. So uh, he does carry an obvious risk in formats that account for plus minus given those brutal matchups. So just keep that in mind. And then moving on to the goaltenders. If you're looking to steal your matchup with a spot start in goal on Sunday, there's two names that you're going to want to rush to the wire for. The first of which is Jonathan Quick, who has seen his ownership climb to 43% given his surprisingly outstanding play this season, getting a lot more work than I think any of us anticipated given his strong play and Chesterkin's relative struggles. So the Rangers are in Nashville on Saturday before hosting the Sharks in a really enticing matchup on Sunday. So we're going to assume Shesterkin gets the nod on Saturday. Obviously that could change, um, like I said, given the fact that Quick has gotten uh, more work than we've expected. But uh, if he does go on Sunday, Quick will arguably be the number one netminder on Sunday slate, let alone just a streaming option. And he's available in 57% of leagues. He's been outstanding when called upon this season. He's got a 6-0-1 record to go along with a sparkling 199 goals against average and a 933 save percentage. Bit of a quick renaissance going on right now for sure. Uh, no one really would have expected it, but you got to respect the game to this point in the season. So if he's available in your league, I'd be doing all I can to make room for him as soon as Chesterkin is hopefully confirmed to play on Saturday. And then should you miss out on quick or should he simply just play Saturday instead of Sunday, then Kevin Lankin and just 1% owned uh, is definitely a worthy consolation prize. As mentioned, the Predators host the Rangers on Saturday before they travel to Buffalo in what will be a favorable road matchup on Sunday. Lankin has been solid when given the chance to play this season. He's got a 3-1-0 record and a 9-13 save percentage across five appearances and is a great bet to add to your win totals this weekend. Comes at little to no risk to your splits. And like I said, what is a favorable matchup? So uh, if we're going to go through a quick power ranking here of the targets for skaters i got marchenko up top line a number two hurdle if he is healthy um in the three spot and then i would go fantilli and then as i said before zetterlin in the deepest of leagues and then goalies of course quick is number one if he gets that start on sunday followed by lankin and number two and there you go there's our streaming targets for this weekend uh goalies worked out pretty well last weekend so let's hope we can keep it rolling uh on friday and sunday this weekend Excellent stuff as always, D. And that is going to do it for season nine, episode 24 of the DFO Fantasy Podcast presented to you by Betway. I'm your host, Brock Segan. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I got Michael B's Bonnie and Dylan D. Bursting with me. Until next time, cheers. If they add a reliever to hockey, I might have to quit, boys. We might have to call Brock Daddy next week. Peace. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 